Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
And good morning. Good it morning. is good to see you. We've got uh, a good crowd this morning as we are attempting to reopen uh, our worship services again. And I know that uh, as things hopefully and prayerfully continue to improve, we'll have more and more folks feel a little more comfortable uh, being here. But we've got a good group here this morning, and I know that we've got a good group online uh, also. We did not last week get a chance to uh, recognize uh, any veterans that were uh, here, uh, nor Wednesday night. We did show a video Wednesday night, but I think we've got a few veter veterans here. I want to ask uh, those of you who have served our country uh, in uh, one of the armed forces just to stand. Would you guys stand? How many have we got this morning? All right. Give these men a hand, would you? Thank you, guys. We thank you for your service. Thank you, Mr. Dan. He's got all his uh, pins and stuff on today. So y'all stop by and see Dan, asking what all those pins are about. Um, harvest offering is next Sunday. Don't forget about that. We are going to be taking up our offering to refurbish the piano, and I think that it's going to, uh, they're coming to get it like the first week of December, so we'll have it a couple more weeks, and then they're going to have it for four months, uh, hopefully not that long, but they, that's their estimate to totally uh, refurbish it and, and refit it and do all the things that need to be done to it. Deacons, don't forget that we got a, a meeting right after the worship service. We'll be in the fellowship hall there so we can spread out. And uh, also, we've got planned uh, a Lord's Supper Sunday on December the 6th. And the reason I'm telling you that, not only to the deacons, but to the church and those online, is that we've got the individual Lord's Supper uh, packets. And if you want those, uh, in case that, for those of, those of you who are here, uh, might not be able to be there that, uh, that Sunday on the 6th, or those of you who are at home, know you can't be here because of social distancing and the concerns, let us know and we'll get those to you. You can get, get them today. They're in the office there. Uh, we'll uh, mail them to you. Just email, text us, let us know uh, your address, and we'll send them out to you. That way, uh, by the 6th, you can have those. Now, uh, if you've got something else at home, that's fine. I mean, if you've got a little grape juice, that, that'll work just fine. If, if you want to do a, a cracker or something, that's just fine. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do... Uh, the little things that we've got here at church, the, probably they, Brian had testified, probably would taste better, right? Yeah, the, Brian says this stuff fermented a little bit. So, uh, but uh, anyway, that is the plan on December the 6th, and we want everyone to be able to have something ready for that Sunday that wants to participate in the Lord's Supper uh, uh, time together. I wish we could do it before Thanksgiving, uh, but uh, we're going to try to do it between Thanksgiving and Christmas since... Uh, Everything's been so crazy. Well, let's have a word of prayer for our offering, and I can, can encourage you to continue to give. You can give online, give uh, uh, by way of mail. Uh, call us, let us know. Uh, we'll help uh, get your gift in. But let's have a word of prayer. Thank God for the offering that's come in this week, as well as our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the time that we get to worship and Lord, we're thankful that we're able to open up the doors again. And for those that, that uh, are comfortable being here today, uh, to social distance as best they can and worship you, Lord. We're so thankful for them. We're also so very thankful for those that are home, watching faithfully online and participating 
uh, in the worship time that we have together, praying and singing and, and Lord, just being in the spirit together. We continue to pray for wisdom uh, and guidance and understanding, Lord. Uh, our deacons, as they meet later today, just continue to give them the, uh, the wisdom to help lead us through this difficult, difficult time. We do pray, Lord, that uh, everyone can uh, be safe and, and Lord, just uh, that this virus can be avoided in our own community of faith and in, in our community as a whole, Lord. But we also pray uh, for, the, for the vaccine and a cure, Lord, uh, to be delivered there, that we can go back to doing the things uh, that we used to do and, and enjoy doing so, so much. Lord, all these things this Sunday we lift up to you. We recognize you as our great God and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just a few real quick youth announcements. The ski trip, we've still got that planned for February, and we will be signing up for that the, through, for our youth through the end of November. We'll open that up to other kids outside of our church uh, on December the 1st, so they can be put on a waiting list right now if you've got some friends that want to go youth. Uh, but again, the... The, the dates are that the president's weekend in February costs us $300. And uh, we have also started meeting again on Wednesday night with the youth. We're just meeting out in the gym. But I hope to see everybody there. I'll send a text out to everyone, and they can tell me uh, if they're coming or not so we know how much pizza to order. But other than that, it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Won't you stand with me as we continue to worship together? all the trials, all the sorrows, especially of the year of 2020. Uh, we'll be able to trade those sorrows in and, and uh, just worship the Lord forevermore. I'm trading my sorrows 
in all those sorrows, all those hurts, all the sickness, again, especially of 2020. And we'll get to just be with the God of wonders forever and ever.
And uh, I think if we, if we take our time, we can literally come up with 10,000 reasons why we need to bless the Lord every day. Amen.
Father God, we just come before you again this morning. We just thank you that we can gather together once again. Lord, I, how we've missed it just to be in corporate worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to, just to come together to, to sing worship songs to you, to praise your name, to hear your preaching face-to-face. -face. Lord, there's just a, a difference in actually being able to be there and be amongst each other. We thank you for that privilege that we have. Lord, we pray uh, just for our, our nation. Lord, as uh, it just seems like it's such a, a dark period right now. And we just uh, we pray that your hand would be upon us, Lord. Guide us. Guide our leaders. Guide our, our churches. Guide our families, Lord. And just help us to continually to turn to you and to realize that you are the source of all of our strength. All of our blessings come from you. And we want to tell you we love you today. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Take your Bible this morning and open to First uh, Kings, First Kings chapter seventeen, and our little guys can go with Megan. Y'all come on, Jacob. You want to go? You can go. All right. First Kings chapter seventeen. You know it's good to be back together again. It, 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 it's uh, it totally is a different thing when. There's a congregation that are, are gathered together and you get to actually preach uh, and see and, and interact with people. Uh, you know, what a year we've had, though. It's, this has been the craziest year that, that I could remember in my lifetime. And some of you, uh, perhaps maybe a little older, would, would say, you know, I don't know if you've seen a crazier time in your lifetime. It's, uh, it has certainly been one of those uh, nutty years. I, I said the other night, kind of jokingly on Facebook, I was getting ready to go to bed. I said, I, I wanted to take enough sleeping medicine to just go to sleep and then wake up in 2021 and be done with this one. So, if, you know, if I, if I don't wake up, y'all just leave me alone to, to January the 1st and then wake me up. But unfortunately, I woke up and it was still 2020. But uh, what a year. I mean, uh, who would have ever thought... Uh, this year would be like it is. I was, I was picking with Kyle Wednesday night. Uh, bless his family's heart. The boys have been quarantined so many different times because they keep getting exposed. They got exposed at school and got sent home, and then, uh, then Kelly had it and Kyle had it, and <clears throat> he was telling me he said Max had missed 34 straight days uh, of school. And I said, well, <clears throat> I can just see if you know the picture in my mind 10 years from now. Max is going to be coming in and say, hey, preach. And I'm going to go, hey, Jethro. Uh, you know, he's going to have to repeat the seventh grade. And, you know, from here on out, it seems like, bless his heart. And Derek was talking about uh, uh, his kids. Hallie, he told Hallie, he said, you know, what, what a year you've had. It's the best seventh grade year ever, isn't it, Hallie? All four days of it. So anyway, it's that kind of year. And then that term, social distancing. We're trying to do it this morning. We do it when we go to the grocery store. We, we even do it in our own house. I was talking to my mom yesterday about coming up for Thanksgiving, you know, and I said, well, mom, I think things look pretty good. It's sort of kind of settled back down, and, and I think, you know, it'd be good, and we'll social distance as best we can, even in our own house uh, with you. So that word, social distance, is truly taken on a new meaning, but it might surprise you to find out that it's really not anything new when it comes to the Word of God. All throughout the Word of God, kind of like a thread just woven through 
from Genesis to Revelation, you find examples where God has called his people to social distance with him. I think for a moment about Noah and his family. They had the social distance, didn't they? They did it in an ark, and we know for 40 days. And then, of course, they basically had a, I, I, you know, how long on earth uh, was it just their family? Uh, and, uh, and, of course, life had to come alive again and be brought forth. We think about Moses. Uh, God had called Moses to be that leader of his people, to uh, take his people out of Egypt and into the, uh, that uh, promise that he had, that covenant promise. And, but before he could do that, you remember, Moses had to what? Social distance on the backside of the desert with God. Uh, we think about, for example, Jonah. Jonah called to preach that great revival that we read about there to the city of Nineveh. Uh, the judgment of God was going to fall, and Jonah really wasn't in the will of God or in the spirit of God. And, well, Jonah had a social distance for a little while. He did it where? In the belly of a great fish. For three days and three nights, he social distanced. Even the Lord Jesus, think about our Lord and our Savior. You could also say two ways in the Lord's life. I mean, for 30 years, Jesus social distanced in a carpenter shop. I mean, here he is, God, the God of heaven, the God of glory, the Son of God, sent to earth, and you don't hear much of him. We don't really know much of anything of Jesus in his early life, his teenage years, his young uh, adulthood. We just know that he was what? The carpenter from Nazareth. And then, once his public ministry began, what did he do? He spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying and being tempted. He social distanced. Think about Paul. Paul was an example of that. Paul came uh, to Christ on that road to Damascus. And shortly after that, after uh, God had arranged uh, to uh, bring him into the faith and, and to give him some instruction and give him some help, uh, early on, he was sent to Arabia, what, to social distance for three years. And, of course, Paul became, you know, the greatest theologian of the Christian faith. I mean, so much of our Bible written by him. And then, finally, we think about maybe uh, John the Beloved, the disciple. We get to the book of Revelation, and, and believe it or not, it's a book of social distance. It's a book in which John is writing it. Do you remember where he's writing it from? From that Isle of Patmos. He's been social distanced and exiled. But it is in exile there. It's in that social distance that God gives him this beautiful revelation of what's to come and the victory that has been given. It's all through the Bible. What we're doing today and to me, there, there's, there's one story that I think is maybe one of the most beautiful stories of social distancing, and it, it involves the life of a great prophet of God, a, a, a man that we know by name, Elijah. So I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 17, and then verses 1 through 7 together. Let's read this. 
Uh, and uh, think about this thought of social distancing with God. Now Elijah the Tishabite of uh, Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the, Lord, uh, and the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here, turn eastward, he says, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. There it is right there. Elijah, go social distance yourself. And I have uh, commanded the ravens, the Lord said, to feed you there. It's east by the Jordan, you shall drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to, to feed you there. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no more rain in the land. This is really the first time that we are introduced to this man, Elijah. We're simply told that here's a fellow, Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe uh, in Gilead, that mountainous area, has been instructed to go to Ahab and to say, here's what's coming because of your sin, because of the sin of the people there is a drought coming. Later on, as you go through uh, the Word of God, and you, you, you go through 1 Kings, you find that somehow and somewhere along the way, Elijah loses his identity. He's no longer referred to as Elijah the, uh, the Tishbite uh, uh, of Tishbe from Gilead. He's not referred to in that way. He just simply is referred to when people see him, there he is, the man of God. How did he lose his identity in God? What happened in his life that, that, that got him so right, so close with God that when people looked at him, they didn't even just think of him by name anymore. They just thought about of who he had become, this mighty man of God. I'm going to submit to you that I believe that it is because he understood the importance of what God was asking him to do early on here in this time of social distancing. I want to say this to you. We must take time in in order so that we can give out. We must be willing to get alone with God if we're to become the child of God in such an identified way. And when we are called to social distance with God, there are certain things that we should remember, certain things that we should know, certain things that we need to understand. And, and I want to say that I think that during this time where we are having to pull away so and be to ourselves so, I talked to two or three or four people this week and, and they, they poured out their heart and they said, Pastor, I'm so discouraged, I'm so depressed, I'm so lonely, I'm so tired of just being 
with me. What does God want us to learn? What does God want us to know? There may be something there that we need to learn, something that we need to know in order for us to be able to move on. Well, let me give you at least uh, five things this morning. Number one, we need to understand that God has a plan for us. In verses one through three, we get the plan for Elijah. Elijah God says, I want you to go and talk to Ahab and tell him that there is a drought coming because of the, uh, the sins of the people, because of your sins. At this point in this time, you might remember that the, the, the kingdom of Israel really had been divided into two kingdoms. It was the northern kingdom and there was the southern kingdom. And as you read the word of God, the southern kingdom had a few good kings uh, in it. Uh, mainly, they were still a rebellious people, but they had a few good moments and a few good kings. But the northern kingdom didn't have a one, never had one. Uh, they, they, they never had a king that was a good king in the north. And, and as a matter of fact, listen to what uh, the Bible tells us up in uh, 1 Kings chapter uh, 16, verse 33. Uh, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the, the God of Israel, to anger than all the other kings of Israel. Ahab was the worst of the worst. You remember the story of Ahab and, of course, his wife, Jezebel. Uh, he was not a good king. And here is this really unknown individual, Elijah, this fellow from this mountainous rural area, of Gilead, and he has got a message to the people of the northern kingdom, to God's people, and to the king himself, and it's not a good message. Things are bad, and things are going to get worse. It's not, it's not going to rain for three years, except by my word. Uh, you know, those were words that would bring death to Elijah. I mean, his head was on the chopping block. And, and, and God then says, Elijah, I've got a plan for you. After you say this, I want you to depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. I think maybe the most important word there is that word hide there uh, in verse uh, 3. Hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And, you know, I was looking at that word, and it's an interesting word. You know, most of the time that word, uh, as it's given to us in, in the Hebrew, is, is translated to, to conceal, to cover, uh, uh, to keep from being seen. And, uh, but that word here uh, is really, I don't think, an accurate word that we often get tra gets translated uh, into our English here. Uh, because the same word is used, and let me give it to you uh, over in Genesis, it's the same word is used a few times uh, in this manner. You remember the story uh, between Laban and Jacob, and you know, Jacob was, you know, his wives, uh, Laban's daughters, and, and of course uh, he was, you know, vying for their hand, and, and basically they make an agreement about uh, uh, I guess, having peace between one another, and they set up a, 
a, a monument to, to that. And, and we're told in Genesis 31 and in verse 49 that the reason that they did this was that the Lord would watch, he says, between you and me. And then notice what it says here. When we are out of one another's sight. In, in your translation there, you might have when we're absent from one another. The word there, I think, in 1 Kings 17, really is better translated absent. God says to, to, Jacob, to Elijah, make yourself absent. Just absent yourself for a little while. Get away and trust in me. Could it be that God has a plan for us where he wants for us to absence ourselves from the things of this world, from the things that we are so connected to, that we might understand his plan for us. A second thing we see is that God has a promise for us. In verse 4, we read the word there. Here's what he says. He says, uh, you shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens, listen, to feed you there. Now, if hide is the big word in verse 3, there is the big word, well, there in verse 4. God says, I, I have a promise for you there. Think about it for a moment. God has said, Elijah, I want you to go eastward. I want you to go down uh, 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 to the brook area called Cherith and there absent yourself. I could almost see where Elijah may have said, you know what, Lord? I don't know about that area. That's not familiar to me. There's hideout places there at Gilead. I could go back among my own people at Tishbe. I could be back among friends and maybe have somebody watching my back. I mean, I'm, I could see where Elijah perhaps might, want, might have wanted to argue with God. To say, you know, I got a better idea than that one, Lord. But what Elijah understood was the only way that he could receive the promise of God was to be there at Cherith. Let me say to you that the only way that you can receive the blessings of God is to be in the center of God's will. You cannot have the blessings of God outside the will of God. And so we always talk about, you know, what's the number one priority in life? Living in the will of God. Sometimes uh, we'll talk about that. Sometimes I'll talk to folks about living in the will of God. And they'll say, well, you know, that's just so hard to do. And, and, and they begin to talk about reasons why, you know, they just can't quite do maybe what they feel God leading them to do. And, and, and a lot of times I'll go back and I'll say, well, let me ask you something. Do you want God to bless you? And I mean, every time I ask that question, 100% of the time, the answer is, well, yeah. Dear friend, until we really understand the connection of the blessings of God are tied to the will of God, we can't fully expect to receive the blessings of God. If we try to get the blessings of God apart from living under his will, it's never going to work. But Elijah knew that. Only there, and there only, could the promise of God be received. 
A third thing, we can see where God has a, a prerequisite for us. In verse 5, uh, so he went and did according to the word of God. It, it's not real good English, but I like what it says. He went and did. There's no doubt. There's no discussion. There's no defiance. There's no delay. He obeyed. That's the prerequisite to, to the blessings of God. God always wants us to do what? Obey. Trust and obey. For there's what? No other way to be happy than Jesus than to trust and obey. He went and he did. Listen. According to the word of the Lord. Don't miss that. We see Elijah coming to Ahab. Thus says the Lord God, this is the word of God. For three years the heavens will be shut up. It will not rain except by my word. The word of God. But do you catch it? The very word of God that Elijah is preaching to the people, Elijah himself is to live by. You know, I think one of the greatest things that, that is, is heartbreaking in the Christian faith is when we are hypocrites according to the word. And it's easy to do that. It's easy for us to take the word of God and say to other people, this is what God says. But then when it comes to our life, we don't live the word of God. What is the prerequisite? Obedience. But then notice here, the provision. God has a provision here. In verse 6, he says, uh, he says uh, the, the ravens are going to uh, feed you. The, you will drink from the brook. Uh, in verse 6, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. What a beautiful picture of the provisions of God. God can meet our needs. Where? When we're there in his will, according to his word, living by his promise. You might would miss this if you didn't really understand the biblical picture here but ravens and we know this in a sense aren't really thought of as clean birds they're scavenger birds you know uh, you, you go down the road and you liable to see a, a buzzard you know picking the, uh, the the flesh of a carcass alongside of the road and a lot of times with those buzzards or what ravens fighting for scraps too I didn't know this as I was looking at it this week uh, ravens are actually in what they call the buzzard family. They're, they're just not very clean birds. They're not thought of as clean in the word of God. Uh, you, you find examples in the Bible uh, of a raven being a symbol of sin. But yet God says here, the ravens are going to feed you. are going to feed you in the morning and, and feed you in the evening. And I, I thought, so you know, it's kind of odd. I, you, you almost expect God would say the doves right? The beautiful white dove, the messenger of God, the spirit of God. 
So why does he use raven? Well, I think what God is saying to Elijah is, Elijah, just as this raven is unclean, I can use you. I can use you in your brokenness. I can use you in your sinfulness. I can use you in your uncleanness. I am a God that can do all things. Even take someone like you and make, make your life a blessing to others. What an encouragement it must have been for Elijah who I'm sure didn't feel real self-secure about his calling and, and what God was asking him to do to see every morning and every evening that God could take that which would be rejected by people and be a blessing to him. But not only that, he drank from the brook. You know, the drought had started, but yet there was the brook, that living water. Uh, what a beautiful picture of the provision. And finally, God has a purpose for us. Look in verse 7. And after a while, the brook dried up because, listen, there was no more rain. Why, do, why did the brook dry up? Someone says, well, because there was no more rain. Well, why was there no more rain? Because God had said there would be what? No more rain. The brook dried up because God had said it would. You know, I can imagine Elijah at this point saying, you know, God, you've called me out here, not to my own home area, not to that place where I felt a little more secure. You've put me way out here in the middle of nowhere. And now one of my provisions is gone. I don't have any more water. Now let me say something to you. That didn't come as a surprise to God. That didn't shock God. It really shouldn't have shocked Elijah because he was God's spokesman. And he should have known that, well, guess what? If it doesn't rain, the brook's going to dry up. And, and we really don't get a, a sense where it shocked Elijah. I'm just saying that by human nature, and, and James tells us that Elijah was like us. He had like manners and like nature like you and I. So I look at myself and I, and I think, you know, I could see where I would have been really discouraged or I would have been like, God, this is not fair. This is not right. I'm out here and, and now the brook's dried up. But what Elijah found out and what Elijah shows us here is that he understood that God had a purpose, that God knew what came next. He always do, does. And, and even though one door may close, there's always another door that opens for us. And look in verses 8 and uh, 9. The word of the Lord then came to him again. And arise and, and, and go uh, to that area that belongs by Sidon and dwell there now. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you. Elijah's still living, what? By the word and on the word. He would go on to become the man of God. Now before... Before he could have that mighty moment that we read about in 1 Kings 18, you remember there at Mount Carmel, 
where you've got uh, th those 500 prophets of Baal and you know they've soaked the uh, the sacrifice and water and and Elijah calls down the fire and that mighty miracle takes place and you know, he restores uh, the revival in the people's heart on who is the almighty God of heaven and defeats those wicked prophets of Baal. Before he could go to that moment and before he could even have that blessed moment that we read about in 2 Kings chapter 2 where he's getting ready to pass the torch, pass the mantle to, uh, to Elisha and God is coming down to take him in that chariot of fire and, and, and whisk him up to heaven. Before Mount Carmel, before the chariot of fire, there was a brook called Chirith. There was a place in which he needed to get alone, that he needed to social distance. Let me ask you something this morning. Is God calling you in this time of distancing to something new, something different, something unique, something that maybe we will bring you to a greater victory in your life like Elijah and Mount Carmel, uh, bring you to that, that point of being so identified with God that when people look at you, they say, man, that's that, there's that Christian. There's that child of God. I want to say to you this morning that what I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to isn't any, something that's any different than in my own life. You know, uh, we can all get stuck in a rut if we're not careful. And, and for a long time, I've been uh, journaling. I, I continue to do that. But I, I've, I've taken my journaling now up a, another step. I was reading, and there were several pastors that had been challenged to do this, um, to, to do what they call a journal Bible. And so I've started that this, this week. And uh, I've got a Bible now. It's got a big old wide margin so that I can journal in it. And I've been reading, and Jonathan Edwards, who was that great preacher that brought about that, that time of revival in America in its early years, he did that. Matter of fact, I was telling Pam, I said, he asked his wife to take his Bible and sew blank pages in between each page so that he had uh, places to write about. I said, could you imagine that? I said, what are you talking about? I said, a faithful Christian, not Jonathan Edwards, but his wife. And he, he, he took such extensive notes through the scripture that he actually began to keep journal books. And, and he, he developed a journaling system and, uh, and a takeoff of his. I've begun to do this week. You say, why, 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 why do that, Brother Chris? Because to me, it's, that's my cherith. That's my brook cherith. God has said, look, you can't do all the things that you typically have been doing for me, but you can do this. And, and, you know, and I've only done it now for five days. And, I, you know, I, and, and I, I've, I've written in my other journal, Lord, where has this been in the 30 years of being a minister? Why didn't I do this way back? I mean, I've got a Bible that I've marked up, but I mean, I'm not talking about marking up a Bible. I'm talking about really journaling in the Bible, going through that Bible as, as a journal. 
I can tell you in five days, I've got five sermons ready to roll that are in that Bible. This is one of them. If I do that 365 days a year, I've got a Bible that's a walking, talking sermon ready to go. Almost any place. I can tell you just in the short interim, I'm like, Lord, I don't know where this has been and why I didn't know it way back when I was just a youngster. But I'm thankful that you've shown it to me now. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, I don't know what this day and age is all about. I don't know what it means for our church. We, we continue to try to figure it out Sunday morning and Sunday night, you know, when we're open, when we don't open, when we, you know, and, and, until maybe there's some kind of clarity that comes by way of uh, medicine that, that says, okay, we can kind of go back to the way it used to be. It may not get there, folks. That's the reality. And I really do, and I heard one preacher say this week that he's, he's not so sure that maybe the greatest revival and the intaking of souls is going to come during this time of shutdown. The gospel has been penetrating in our world greater than it's ever been penetrated before. Praise God, you get on Facebook, half of what you see now are churches. Most of all my friends are Christians. And I see their churches and I hear their preachers. I can tell you, I, I participate now probably in 10 or 15, 20 worship services a week, whereas I'll confess, I was just kind of caught up what happened with us. I, I look at the analytics of, of who's listening and, 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 and I get amazed that we have people listening in India, in China, Australia, in Europe. People listening to what's happening at Alamo First Baptist. And I don't know who it is, but we got a faithful in Alaska somewhere. I know we have two in Rome, Georgia that listen to us all the time. How you doing, baby Ruth and Mr. Charlie? Praise God. I don't know what this time means, but I know one thing. We look to God and say, God, what is your will? What is your want? What is your plan? Just like Elijah. And God is faithful. And God will show us. And God will lead us. And God will provide. Heavenly Father, perhaps someone's here this morning that says, I've been called to hide myself in social distance with you. And Lord, it's been frightening to think about getting honest and real and one-on-one -on -one with you, God. Maybe someone's here today that says, Lord, I, I've, I've yet to give you my heart to be a child of God. Maybe someone listening online that says, I know, God, that I need to be a Christian. And Lord, today I want to do that. I want to come to you. I want to come to the cross. And how do they receive you, Jesus? By simply praying this little prayer. Lord, I confess my sins. I repent of them and I ask you to save me and to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, in the faithfulness of your word, that person, if they have prayed that prayer, 
is now a child of God. Lord, maybe it's a Christian today that says, you've been calling me there to that cherith. And I've been trying to do it in my own strength, in my own way, and I've been delaying and arguing, whatever it is. Lord, whatever that there is there, there's only one decision to make, and that's obedience. Whatever it is that you've laid before us, that maybe we're struggling with. This morning, Lord, we surrender to it. And then we find, Lord, that like you took care of Elijah, you'll take care of us. Even in the things that we think you can't use, like the ravens, we'll find that you do use. And we'll find that we're refreshed with that, that, that water of life that quenches our thirst. Lord, whatever decision needs to be made be it online today or here in your house this is now the time when we come to the cross jesus we come to you and we do what you ask us to do it's in your mighty name we pray today lord amen we're going to stand and sing the lord's spoken we pray god's blessings upon you as you worship with us today if god has led you to make a decision today for jesus we would love to hear about it we invite you to come to our website come to thecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.